0: Good morning, Calvary. It's a pleasure to be here with you uh, once again. Uh, I'm going to be sharing uh, the message this morning. Uh, for those of you who do not know me, I'm Ronald Sanchez. I serve as a minister, associate minister of missions here at Calvary and also help with uh, young adults. Um, so we continue to be in this series of Come and See. And for the past few weeks, we have been talking about uh, Come and See. Uh, Jesus' is light. Come and see his authority. Come and see his, um, for, uh, come and see how he sees the unseen. Come and see the, the unseen. So uh, today we're going to talk about come and see his provision. And we're going to be reading from John chapter 6. So open up your Bibles with me on John chapter 6. It's a long chapter where I'm going to paraphrase the verses 1 through 15. And then we'll jump on verse 22, and we'll, we'll be reading from there. Um, but as we're reading the passage, uh, and, and today, in today's message, we're going to be answering three questions. Number one, what do we learn about God or Jesus? Uh, what do we learn about people? And is there something for us to obey? So what do we learn about God? What do we learn, what do we learn about Jesus? And I'm sorry, what do we learn about people? And is there something for us to obey? So uh, John chapter 6, it talks about one of the miracles that uh, it's uh, seen in all of the Gospels. It's the miracle of the feeding of the four, uh, 5,000. And it goes like this, verses 1 through 15. It talks about how Jesus was going from town to town. And because of the things that he was doing, the people started following him. Now there was a crowd who followed him into this desertic place to hear his teachings. Now, after listening to him for a while, the disciples came to Jesus and told him to send the crowd away because there wasn't any food for them uh, to give to the crowd. And Jesus asked them, well, what what do you think we should do? Uh, Why don't you feed them? And the disciples answered, well, uh, a year's wage will not be enough to feed all of these people but uh, Jesus, somebody took a boy to him who had five loaves of bread and two fish and that is what Jesus used to feed all the people. He multiplied these five loaves of bread and two fish and it says that everybody was satisfied and at the end there were, there were 12 baskets that were picked up after all of this, uh, after everybody ate now, the people, uh, Jesus left to the other side of the sea, and this is where the story picks up on verse 22. So John chapter 6, verse 22. And he says this. On the other day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given them Had given thanks. So the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples. They themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, why did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because of the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives lives to the world. They said to him, sir, gives us, something, gives us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. But this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? How does he now say I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me him, I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews and the spirit among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have not li- no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my food is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is a bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds of this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if we were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he he was before? It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, were, who did not believe and who's, who it was who will betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this many... His, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So first thing, the first question is, well, what do we learn about Jesus. And I want to draw your attention that Jesus can wholly satisfy. And, and I want you to come and see in which two ways he can wholly satisfy. Number one, come and see how he can provide for your physical needs. You see, Jesus cares about your, our physical needs. He's not apathetic. When the disciples took the concern to Jesus regarding the need of the crowd, uh, in this case, they were hungry, Jesus did not show apathy, uh, he showed empathy, he showed compassion. His response to the disciples was not, well, they should have known better. They're trying to follow me. Well, they, why didn't they pack some food for the way? His response was not, uh, well, I know that they have, they're hungry and there's this need that they have. However, there is something deeper than that. I, I, let's focus on their spiritual things. Let's focus on their spiritual life, not just their physical lives. That, this was not Jesus' response to the disciples. As a matter of fact, he used this, this opportunity to show us his heart, to show us his heart of compassion, his heart of love. And, and he used this opportunity to feel a need that they had. And he did it in a way that was completely illogical that was uh, extraordinary. You see, the disciples, they were trying to solve this problem that existed uh, presently by their logic. They were, uh, at some point they told Jesus, Jesus, well, send them away, see if they can buy some food. At some other point, they also told Jesus, well, not even a, a year's worth words of, of, of money, of wages will be enough to feed this many people. They were probably doing some math in there. But uh, we see that Jesus, he he didn't respond with logic. He, He did this amazing miracle. And he filled this need that existed. And look at the way that he filled it. Okay? It says that he provided enough food to the point where everyone was satisfied. And not only that, it says that they were able to fill 12 baskets of food. Um, This shows us that Jesus doesn't just make or work for the bare minimum. Uh, It it shows us that the heart of Jesus, when he gives blessings, is to overflow people with blessings. When we see the heart of Jesus towards filling the need uh, it, it's about overflowing that particular need and just not give the bare minimum. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't shy away from his, giving his blessings. He, he, he provides and he provides fully. Now, I, I have a confession to make that this truth, it is hard for me to accept sometimes. I think that because of a, a rejection of the prosperity gospel Or or the word of faith movement, they claim it and it's yours and Lord give me this Ferrari, I claim it in the name of Jesus. Like because of that rejection of bad bad teaching, when I read John chapter 6, it's kind of hard for me to see a Jesus who can still provide today. At least I think to myself, well, surely Jesus did this then, but he I don't think he can do that now at least. So on the other hand, I, I tend to think that I shouldn't be asking God for physical things because if, I, if I'm asking him to, to feel a need, I am being ungrateful and I'm just not thankful for the things that he has given me presently. So I just shouldn't ask. But how wrong am I? <laughs> Pretty wrong. It, it's not biblical at all. It is not biblical at all to think like this. You know why? Because Jesus, in the Sermon of the Mountain, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, one of the lines of that prayer is, give us this day, our daily bread. Jesus wants us to pray to the Father to provide for our needs. It's something that he wants. It's something that he desires. And how amazing is that? I want to share with you of... uh, uh, this story that comes from the book, The Insanity of God. It's a book written by Nick Ripken. He, he was a missionary in Somalia and, and then he went around the world trying to ask him the question, does God still work in the same ways that he worked then? It's, it's a work of God alive in the world today as it was then. And there's a story from this a guy named Stoyan story, and he lived in a, an Eastern European country, and uh, his father was taken into prison by the communists. He was a pastor. His father was a pastor, and he was left with his mother and his siblings. The communists took this family, put them on the train, and sent them out to a very remote village. And this is, this is a story of, of this boy. He um, a at some point on that lonely train ride, frightened and feeling like they had lost everything, Stoyan's younger sibling began to cry. They pleaded with their mother, what's going to happen to our house? Mama, where are we going to live now? How will Papa know where we are? What are we going to do? What's going to happen to us? Stoyan's mother had no answers for her traumatized family. All she could do to reassure them was to say, God will have to provide Little ones. Then she let them on singing a hymn. And after finishing singing, as a a train drew near the destination, a stranger approached them. The fearful family huddled together and spoke to the mother. And he asked this question, are you the family of the pastor who has been in prison? And he referred to the pastor by name. The woman said, yes, we are. And the man said, well, our church was meeting last night. During our prayers, the Holy Spirit told us to take up an offering and for me to bring it, oh my gosh, (laughs) for me to bring it on uh, on this train to give it to you, to escort your family to your new home. He handed her a small cloth bag and lowered his voice to say, here's enough money for six months. We will bring more when this runs out. I'm sure that like this story, there are many of us who can testify to the provision of God. And if the question is, can our father provide for our needs today? The answer is yes, he can. Yes, he can. He has. He has done it presently. And he will do. He's going to provide for every need that you have I also want to come to invite you to come and see how Jesus not only provides for our physical needs, but he provides for our spiritual needs. You see, there is a hunger that is much more devastating than physical hunger, that is worse than, than, the, than what physical hunger can cause. And, and this is spiritual hunger. And, and spiritual hunger, it's kind of hard to identify Uh, physical hunger is very easy to identify if my stomach starts to rumble then that probably means I'm hungry uh, unless I have bad digestion but that probably means I'm hungry and I need to eat something so I will eat something however spiritual hunger is not as easy to identify Um, and we may try to kill spiritual hunger with physical things we may try to seek recognition from other people. We, uh, there is something that, that we see today, it's younger generations trying to get as many followers on Instagram, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. I don't know how many, um, Twitter, and I don't know how many other social medias exist, but we try to seek recognition from other people. Or we may try to be satisfied by having the best career in our lives uh, or having that family that everybody can look up to and, uh, you know, just having that, that, that core family. But although these are not terrible things, they're, they're not things that are bad, in, in essence, they're kind of neutral, uh, they will leave you hungry. On the other hand, some people may go a different route, a more destructive route uh, for them to try to fill that void that they have. Some people may become promiscuous, uh, drunkards, uh, addicted to drugs. Or they may become violent. Uh, but the thing is that whether you try to satisfy that spiritual hunger with these things that are neutral and, or things that are more destructive to you, the hunger will still remain. Spiritual hunger can only be eradicated by the Spirit of God. Spiritual hunger can only be eradicated by the Spirit of God. And this is Jesus' main purpose, uh, major purpose for coming, to eradicate the spiritual hunger that people have. Um, two weeks ago, we read about the woman at the well. And we read about how Jesus promised her to give her living water. If you drink from this water, you'll never be, you will never be thirsty again. Lord, give me this water. We, we read about that. But here again, he's telling the people, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus provides a full spiritual meal for our souls. He can satisfy our spiritual thirst and our spiritual hunger. There's a story of this guy named Daryl Waltrip. He's an Asker champion. He won three times. And he was sharing his testimony. This is, this is a guy who had all his career put together. He was famous. If he, he, he had all the money that, that he needed. He had a, a healthy family. Yet he said, there's something else missing in my life. Although I have all of these things, I'm still not satisfied. What is it? So one day he was confronted with the gospel. Somebody told him about Jesus and how he's the only one who can satisfy his soul. And he surrendered his life. And his life was completely changed. He went from living for himself to living from himself, to living for Christ. He went from trying to find his own glory, trying to uh, do his own accomplishment to see what, well, what is Jesus wants wants me to do now? You see, because when our spiritual hunger is filled, we no longer, we we stop chasing the things that, that can't give life. We're now chasing Christ because he's the only one who can give life. We're now chasing him because you see, and when we chase him, he, he he redirects the way that we think, the, the things that we do, um, the way that we live life. Jesus will completely turn our lives around. You see, Jesus has the power to satisfy every need that you have, your physical needs, your spiritual needs. And, and he cares all about you, not just some part of you. And if this is true, then then... What, what is there for us to obey here? Well, if Jesus is our example to follow, we too should care about a person's holistic being. Uh, if, if we only care about the physical being of a person uh, without caring about their spiritual being, then we become charitable. Uh, and Jesus didn't come to earth to do charity. He came for more than that. On the other side... If we only care about the spiritual being of a person and ignore their physical needs, then we become apathetic and we're not like Jesus because Jesus was compassionate. Jesus showed compassion over and over again. So, when we go to people and we're trying to satisfy these physical needs or spiritual needs, let's think like Jesus. How can I be holistic in this particular situation? I know that all of us have people around us who may have a physical need, a spiritual need, or maybe both. And it may be that, that you have been the person that it's only focused on how can I solve this physical problem that they have. Maybe you're just full of compassion and full of love and, and you're just like one that person, you're just caring. And you cannot see farther than that. You you can only see what's presently there. What is the the problem that is present at the moment. And you ignore or forget to share the gospel, to share the words of Jesus, the thing that can only bring true life. Or you may be on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I think I find myself there quite a lot. I'm the person who's like, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the gospel. But then I can be blinded to seeing the needs that they have. I can be blinded to to, to feel a physical need that this person may have. So what can we do? Praise the Lord because he saved us as a body, not as individuals. Yes, he saved us as individuals and he put us as a body so that we may work together. So here's an advice for you. If if you are on the physical, if you're the person who is like compassionate, you don't like that. But you're lacking the evangelistic part of it. Find somebody on the other spectrum. Bring them with you. Say, hey, I, I can do this very well, but man, I, I don't know how to share the gospel. I, I, it scares me. Uh, so come along. Come along. Um, but if you are on the other side, on the other side of the spectrum, you can do the same. If you're the person who is just like, let me just tell you about Jesus. Let me just tell you how he can save your soul and how he can save you completely, how his words are about everlasting life, not just his life. And you are sometimes blinded to see the physical needs that the person has. Bring somebody who is compassionate, who has the gift of mercy. Bring them along with you. And together, when we work together as a body, of Christ. We can accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. So we talked about what we learned about Jesus. But now let's talk about what we learned about people. And we learned that people seek Jesus for different reasons. Some of them seek them to only be satisfied physically. Some people only seek Jesus to be satisfied physically. Uh, There were all kinds of people who were hanging out with Jesus, who were close to Jesus. And in this particular case, we see people who were following him because they had just been fed. Um, And Jesus told them that. He's like, hey, you're only following me because it benefits you. Now the crowd responded to this thing that Jesus said. They were like, no, Jesus, we're not here just because we care about being fed what we want to do, the will of God. Show us what is that will of God. And Jesus said, well, believe in me. Believe in the one that he sent. And the crowd obviously said, um, well, show us a sign for us to believe. Notice that the sign that they wanted was, hey, Jesus, you say you came from God and you want us to believe in you. Hey, Moses, he gave us manna from heaven. He gave us, he gave us his bread. Fill our bellies, Jesus. We don't, we don't want to work like this. Jesus said, you need to stop looking for a source of life in the physical realities that you have before you. You know, that God has now provided true life. And you can obtain that true life when you feed of me. Now, this is not cannibalism. Jesus wasn't like, he didn't cut off an arm and say, hey, now feed of me and you'll be saved. That's not what Jesus is saying, um, Jesus is, is, is speaking about a spiritual reality, a spiritual truth. At the same time, this is, when Jesus is telling them this, this is very pro- problematic for the audience for various reasons. Number one, they are very attached to the physical things that they have before them. See, Jesus, he, he calls the crowd to focus on the food that does not perish, yet the crowd continues to ask for physical bread. In multiple times. It wasn't just one time. It was multiple times. And, and the question that we have to ask is, do you ever find yourself more focused on seeking the food that perishes rather, rather than Christ? Um, a commentator of the book of uh, of John, he, he made this comment. He said, Like the vast majority of men and women, uh, these Galileans supposed that their needs as human beings were limited to their physical requirements. They were, in consequence, very ready to accept Jesus as a political Christ who will be a purveyor of cheap food and establish an economic utopia, for that will render the task of satisfying this physical. These physical needs less less laborious they they just were not they were not thinking about the future they were not thinking about their spiritual uh, statues they were thinking about just what 's before me um, they were caught up on that and they missed they missed big time and number two, uh, the reason that this was very pro- problematic these words of Jesus were extremely problematic is because they, they didn't want a dying savior. They wanted a, a conqueror who was going to, to live. And so when Jesus is telling the crowd that if they wanted to do the will of God, that, that means that they needed to believe in him, uh, which meant to eat his, his flesh and, and drink his blood, this was very problematic. Again, not cannibalism. It's talking about a spiritual reality. Uh, the drinking of the blood of animals, it was prohibited in the Old Testament. It was... Um, Uh, It was prohibited because this is where the the seat of of the physical life of the animal was was laying. And also the blood makes uh, atonement for the soul. In other words, in the old covenant, the blood of an animal will be poured down before God uh, so that the sinner will be uh, in the place of the sinner. Excuse me. So when the audience was listening to this, the picture... The, the picture they have is about Jesus. Uh, Jesus' blood was going to become the atonement for their sin. And that's why they say, how can this guy tell us that he's going to give us food, to, like if we, that if we eat of his flesh, we are going to live forever. What, what, what is this guy saying? The son of a, isn't this the son of a carpenter? Isn't this the son of Mary? How can this be? No way. No way that someone like him can save me. Uh, this was foolish for them. That's what they thought. You see, Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-five, it says this. Gives a good comment about what might have been going through the mind of of this audience, and still for the world today when. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart." Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God, through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Um, I am so glad, church, that this no longer happens today, that people no longer think that the, the cross is foolish and that people not only no longer think that uh, no longer want to be associated with Jesus because of its benefits. And I see some of you being like, what are you talking about, brother? Uh, what world do you live in? Of course it happens. Of course it happens. It still happens. People still think that that the word of the cross is foolish, and people still want to get close to Jesus because of its benefits. The, the crowd then is not much different than the crowd today. As a matter of fact, sometimes we fall with the crowd. Uh, sometimes the people today, they, they just want to try to associate with Jesus because of, of what comes with it. How can Jesus benefit me? How is Jesus good for me? Um, And when things get tough, uh, well, I'm not so sure about that, Jesus. Uh, I like the good things, not the the tough things. What do you mean I have to deny myself, Jesus? What do you mean that I have to share my blessings with other people? That's the Bible really says that I can't be sleeping around? What do you mean that the good things that I do can't not save me? What are you talking about? I think... That most of us, at some instance of our lives, we have become like the crowd. Um, You see, we seek Jesus for his benefits, but when we hear something that is counterculture, counter-tradition, we want to just walk away from him and do things on our own. Things our own way. But I want to encourage you to, to think about the things that you may be hearing from God, that that you're not very used to hear, that are difficult for you to hear, and it may be that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you something. It may be that Jesus is trying to speak words of life into your life. It may be that Jesus is saying something that you have to walk away from. And, again, it comes from a place of love. Jesus doesn't want to hurt you. Uh, He's going to make you uncomfortable to make you more in his image. So as you've been walking with the Lord this week, and if he has been telling you something, and maybe tonight, not tonight, uh, this morning, maybe this morning the Lord is telling you something that may be hard for you to listen to. Pay close attention to that. Don't be like the crowd that when they heard this, news, they walked away. Um, So some people, they were seeking Jesus because of their own benefit, what Jesus could do. For them. Um, but in the, this same crowd, there were people who were seeking Him to be satisfied spiritually. You see, in the same crowd, there were people who had a spiritual hunger. There were also those who were seeking Jesus because they were spiritually hungry and they were not just concerned about their present but also their future. Um, they, they were concerned with the things from above, not just the things from below. And when everyone was leaving Jesus, this is what it says. He he turned to the 12 and asked, do you want to go as well? And the answer of Peter is something incredible. He said this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, at this point, if you are in the disciples' place, In their shoes. It could have been persuaded. They they could have been persuaded to just leave. Hold on. Why are all these people leaving Jesus? I'm not too sure about him anymore. Instead, the response of Peter is, Lord, where are we going to go? You are the one who has words of eternal life. One of, of the people that I admire the most in my life is my grandfather, Aurelio. Um, I have, I, I think I have mentioned before that I am from Cuba and in 1959, we had the, the greatest blessing of communism coming and, and taking over. You can hear the sarcasm in my voice, I hope. Um, Fidel Castro triumphed over Fulgencio Batista, uh, another dictator that Cuba, Cuba had at the time and uh, so in, that happened in 1959. In 1960, he brought, introduced something called the UMAP. Uh, in Spanish, it says "Unidades uh, Militares de Ayuda a la Producción," which in English it means "Military Units to Help Productions." In simple words, slavery of the 20th century. <laughs> That's what it was. Slavery of the 20th century. They were created to, with the purpose of reeducate uh, the population. And uh, control the population to centralize power. All of these things. And my grandfather was part of one of these units. He was taken into one of these units to do forced labor. He was tortured for uh, two years of his life. He's now 82 years, I think. Um, 82 years old. But he was tortured mentally, physically, uh, in, in many ways. And he had a ticket out. The ticket out was this, denounce Jesus, it's as easy for you, if you want to walk away from here, um, by the way, he, he got taken two weeks before he was going to marry my grandma and he, they had to get married inside um, of, of this place, they told him, if you want to just walk away, if you want to go with your family, all you have to do is uh, deny Jesus, if you want to be freed from this place. He didn't. He, he, not once did he denounce Christ. For two years, um, he stayed strong. He was faithful. And when I asked him, Grandpa, what, what kept you alive in this place? What, How did you remain strong here? He said, It was the words of Jesus. You see, I had this small New Testament that I was able to, to take without the, the guards seeing me. And I was able to read this from time to time. And it was the words of Jesus that helped me to stay strong. Um, And I praise the Lord for that. Because in a time when everybody was walking away, he remained strong, he remained faithful. And he was sustained by the power of the Lord. I want to ask you, um, which side of the crowd do you think you're on? Uh, Are you seeking Jesus just because of his benefits? Or are you seeking him because he's the only one who can revive your spirit? Because you have experienced his love, his kindness, his power, his presence. Um, Maybe today you are here for the first time and you're like, oh, I don't want to be told that I'm on either or. Is there a third option? Maybe there's a third option. The third option is this. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out who Jesus is. So if you are like that, If you're here trying to just figure out who Jesus is, I want to tell you that you can know him today. Um, That, and, and how do we do that? Well, this is all the crowd. If you want to have eternal life, if you want to know what the will of God is, this is a will, believe in me, believe in the one that he sent. And today, you can go from death to life Today, you can experience the power, the love of Jesus resurrecting you. Um, and what you gotta do is repent and believe. Something beautiful here in this passage that we, we didn't go over, but beautiful words of Jesus. He told them this, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Notice that it says, whoever. It doesn't matter how messed up you are, how crazy your life has been. It doesn't matter what are the doubts that you have in your life or how much you're wrestling with this idea of Jesus. Come to Him and He says that He will not cast you out. My prayer today is that when we leave this place, we will live knowing that Jesus is the only one who can satisfy every area of our lives. Um, Our physical needs, he has a power to provide, but he also has a power to revive us spiritually. And also let us leave this place knowing and saying the words, Jesus, I will follow you because you alone have words of eternal life. As we get ready to sing uh, this song, I want to invite you to respond to God. There are many ways that you can do it. You can say, Lord, I, I feel like I've been walking the wrong side of the crowd. I feel like I've been walking and I'm just trying to follow your benefits, yet I'm, I, I wanna hear your words. I want to be like Peter. I want to be like the disciples who said, where else am I gonna go? Only you have words of eternal life. That is a way that you can respond. But number two, you can also respond and say, Jesus, I, I'm just trying to figure out who you are. Would you reveal yourself to me? Will you show me who you are? Number three, think of a person who may be in your life. They, they may be going through a physical need. Uh, they may have a physical need or they may be far from God. Who's that person that you can go to? And, and, and act in the same way of Jesus. That you can go and, and if, if that person is cold, you can say, here's a jacket. But if that person is far from God, you can say, hey, here's the one who can revive your soul, who, the one who can revive your spirit. Th- think of that. Um, and ask that the Holy Spirit will guide you. Let us pray and then we'll sing the song. You can pray where you're at and you you can also come to the front and we, we want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much because uh, you have given us much more than what we deserve. You fill us holistically, not just part of it, uh, not part of us, but holy. You, you satisfied us holy. And help us, Lord, to love you and to uh, just be be close to you. Help us to recognize that you alone have words of eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that if there is somebody here who doesn't know you, who is far from you, that they will come to know you and have an experience with you. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.